The Vision app is the best place to find a growing range of Aussie-made on-demand videos to help you look to God daily. Be challenged by a series of apologetic interviews produced by Creation Ministries International and inspired by Helping Hands, which showcases people and organisations who make the world a better place. There are new videos being added every week in the free Vision Christian Media app. Just tap the Watch tab to see the growing selection. If you don't already have the app on your smartphone or tablet, download it now from vision.org.au slash app. Vision.org.au slash app. Vision. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Tens of thousands of Aussies have either had that self-isolation experience, you might be one of them, or a quarantine experience this year. And you probably discovered it wasn't altogether a five-star luxury. And our guest today says his experience was characterised like this. No balcony, no microwave, and no breeze for two full weeks. In fact, he felt like an outcast. The only face-to-face contact he had was with the police. When they came to his door, concerned he'd killed himself because he'd ignored the phone. Well, a reflection today on life in hotel quarantine, touching on what we might understand about isolation and loneliness in light of our Christian faith. Our special guest today says he chose to travel to the hot zone of Melbourne earlier this year to work in an aged care facility dealing with COVID-19. He says he's not a sadist, he's not stupid, he's simply a chaplain. He put his own life on hold, so to speak, to serve at the height of the crisis in Victoria and on his return home, quarantine isolation got him thinking deeply about his own experience. Ben Boland is joining us. He's an aged care chaplain and co-author of the book Jesus Loves Me, which is part of the Hammond Care and Bible Society Faith for Life suite. He also writes and speaks about aged care ministry, and today we're talking about isolation and loneliness. Ben Boland, a special welcome along to 2020. Thank you, Neil. It's lovely to be with you. Ben, you are home now, but it's been a significant year for you. Your home is in Queensland, in the Queensland town of Stanthorpe, and lots of people listening in Stanthorpe today. Uh, you've, yes. you've, uh, you know, you've gone through the experience that you've been through. Uh, on the end of it now, you've been writing a lot, reflecting a lot. Yeah, I think uh, time alone forces you to do that, and, and I think the quarantine stuff um, pushed my my thinking. Um, which was helpful, I think. Um, Hard, but helpful. What we'll get into in our conversation is the idea that you were quarantined for a fortnight. Uh, It was a potent time of isolation, but in that time it's helped you to think through the issues and even strengthen and develop your own faith. Uh, We'll talk Mm. about that more deeply, but in general, how does that work? Well, I think... Part of being uh, in the century we are living in is that we tend to be so busy um, doing whatever we're doing. Um, I don't think we're very good at silence. Um, um, And I think we look back um, on, say, the monastic traditions particularly and think they're slightly odd. Um, But biblically and historically, um, taking time out and to be alone 
um, has been a significant part of the church history in Christianity, and I think that's that's part of um, that's part of what quarantines taught me. If that makes sense. It does make sense, but as you would appreciate, and uh, I think you're reflecting this, uh, it's not part of our typical understanding of the way a Christian life might be to actually, you know, become a monk and live in a monastery and be in isolation and sometimes, you know, taking some sort of vow of silence and, and that sort of separation would drive most of us absolutely crazy. So you had not only the two weeks in quarantine, but you were away from your home. You were away from your wife uh, and family for six full weeks while you were serving at the height of the crisis in Victoria. So so you're talking about a loneliness and an isolation that is more than just the two weeks because separating from your own family experience, that's also a level of isolation that's pretty hard to deal with. Yeah, it's huge. Um, it, it really is... Um I don't have words that are big enough, really. Um, I mean, we've been married for close to 15 years now, and it's the longest we've ever been apart in that time. Um, it was hard. I've got three boys, um, the oldest of whom is 14, um, and it was really hard for them too. Now, I don't want to say that it was that it's the hardest thing anybody's ever faced. I mean, we are blessed to have Zoom and Skype and radios and televisions and phones and all of those things. But it really is um, um, tough, or I found it tough. And I think I think you're right. I think we all would find that period of time alone, aberrant to our experience and hard. You know, when you're away a long period of time, you've got this uh, long-distance marriage uh, that you're oh. still trying to nurture. Uh, you've, yeah. As you say, you've got three sons. Well, yes, of course, they were missing you. You were missing them. But it's more than just missing, isn't it? Because there's an emotional strain that's on you. And I know that you reflect on being separated from your wife and family for that period of time. It made you get a, I think you used the words, I got a sniff of being single. And then this insight into what a lot of single people actually face in their regular day-to-day life when they're not even in some sort of quarantine or isolation. Yeah, I think um, my reflection, particularly out of isolation, but talking to some friends who are single too, um, is I, I don't think we as the church um, today do singleness well. Um, I think... When you're a younger single and maybe a late teens on, the expectation is that you're actively looking to find someone and that it'll all come together. Uh, then as you get older um, and whether you don't um, don't marry um, or whether something happens, um, particularly for uh, that can be a real, real challenge. Um, and and, and if what happens with how do we care for people who are single not simply through was never married, but through a divorce or through widow, being widowed or widower. Um, it, it's really challenging. And, and the different stages of singleness, I think, are different too. I was talking to a lady yesterday um, who was saying, look, I'm functionally a widow. Um, now, her husband is alive, but he's in residential care. Um, but she goes home to herself. Um, that's that's tough. That's a, and I don't think I think those of us who are married, and particularly married with small kids, um, life is so intensive around the children. Um, 
between school and activities and the chaos of he stole my piece of Lego, um, we can sometimes forget the real challenges that um, people who are single face, um, irrespective of their age. <laughs> it's a tough gig. It, it really is. is. You know, we're talking, we're broadening what isolation and loneliness might feel like right across a spectrum here. And when you include single people in that or people who have a loved one in aged care and all of a sudden they're, uh, as you say, they're technically in that sense uh, a widow or widower, widower. But you work in aged care, Ben. And so yeah. there is a sense here that, you know, I hear stories and. I know of cases where you've got elderly parents and in uh, oftentimes even uh, substantially abandoned into aged care. It's like uh, well, no, we've pushed them off into aged care and they're almost now forgotten. And so you assume they're making friendships or acquaintances within the aged care facility, but that's not always the case. So give us a little insight here into the loneliness that people typically might suffer when they're in aged care, whether as a resident or a patient. And then that must have even been intensified during COVID. Uh, give us a little insight here for the older generation in Australia. It, it really is tough being in aged care. Um, or it, it's tough being older, whether you're in aged care or you're still in your own home. Um, I think there's a level of isolation in both spaces. Um, the advantage, I guess, if you're in residential care is that you will see someone every day. In fact, you'll see multiple people each day. Um, whereas if you're in your home by yourself, um, you may not see anybody for three or four days in a row. Um, so that, I guess, is the challenge. So I don't think it's simply in residential care or at home. I think it's in both spaces. Um, but if you think about the number of hours in a day and you assume you sleep for, we'll call it 10 because I'm being generous, and other things take you two hours of a day, so that's 12 that's still 12 hours of the day that what are you going to do with? Um, you're not going out to work. Um, even if you're in a blessed situation of having a family member who visits for two hours a day, and that's a rare occasion right across the industry. We, many residents in aged care have no visitors. Ben, um, ben that, how do people adjust uh, to the idea of loneliness? Uh, either you're, you know, if you're put into an aged care facility, uh, let's bring it into uh, the idea that someone who, even in their younger years, uh, might have a partner die in an accident or from cancer or whatever it might be, and all of a sudden they're on their own and people are isolated. Uh, how do people adjust to that isolation, or isn't, or is it just, you know, you don't adjust? I think it's a bit like grief, Neil, or grief is part of it, um, and a bit like um, grief. When you lose a significant loved one, you never forget them, and there is always um, some pain in that, um, but there is also potential for growth and and for transition, and it's not that you forget the person, but it doesn't necessarily hurt as much all the time, if that makes sense. Yeah. Take us through the roller coaster of emotions that you personally experienced six weeks away from your family, and two weeks of that was in isolation. And really, as uh, as I gather here, you know, stuck in a hotel room, and it wasn't necessarily luxury five star. Uh, sometimes people have been thinking it's been like a great experience for some people to be in isolation. But the roller coaster of emotions that you would have gone through, uh, you know, arrival. 
and when it sets in that you're starting to feel lonely in that situation, tell us your experience here. Yeah, well, it was really, um, it was very odd coming back into Brisbane Airport. Because, um, again, on the way, um, just the airport terminal had very little people in it. And all the shops are closed. Uh, well, most of the shops were closed. That was, that was weird in and of itself. Having to queue up for an awfully long time with social distancing, of course, to get to your police person um, who is doing the, have you got the right paperwork to be in Queensland for? Um, and the lady I was dealing with um, going through that and oh, and, oh, and have you had contact with anyone who's COVID? Yeah, I had contact with someone with COVID yesterday. Um, and I actually watched her physically recoil and go back probably a metre from me, another yeah. metre from me. Yeah. Um, now, so that there's a level of um, almost feeling like a leper, um, to use a New Testament example, in that space. Almost feeling that you're unclean. Uh, and that's, that's um, somewhat shocking. Um, then you, you get on the bus with police escort and you, then again, we waited on the bus at the hotel because they wanted to not have too many people in the foyer and then again processing again. And it, it really did feel like processing. It felt close to immigration um, than to a normal domestic arrangement, if that makes sense. Wow. Um, then, yeah, individual escort up to your room by uniformed people. I mean, I was going to say, the, I mean, the walk for even across, through the terminal, we, had, we were constantly surrounded by uniformed people and people at every exit and every... There was more uniforms than there were passengers. Um, And do you feel like a prisoner when you're in the quarantine situation where there are some uh, guards that are keeping you in the building? Uh, Is that like... uh, Did you have any... I mean, you're a chaplain and uh, I don't know whether you've done any prison chaplaincy, but uh, no doubt uh, prison chaplains deal with this sort of isolation that prisoners feel. Did you get a, a bit of an insight that this is probably what it's like if you're in jail? I think I think it gives you an insight into... Uh, I haven't had the privilege of being in jail um, or doing prison chaplaincy, so I don't want to say that it is because I can't compare apples with apples. But it felt, um, it felt like that was a fair analogy, whether that was true or not is a different question. Um, but it really did feel like you were locked up. Uh, and in a real sense, you were. This is 2020 with Neil Johnson, helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Our talkback line open, 1-800-316-316. If you've been through a loneliness period this year, through whether it's self-isolation or you were in quarantine, uh, you're welcome to call us. You might have your own reflection on just how that feels. Ben Boland is our guest. He's an aged care chaplain. He's also the co-author of a book called Jesus Loves Me. And we're talking about loneliness today. And in Ben's chaplaincy role, he spent time at the height of Victoria's crisis just some months ago and went through his own isolation and has been reflecting on things deeply from there. Ben, as a Christian believer and recognizing that loneliness and isolation causes all sorts of things to go on in our minds, plays with our minds in so many ways, what can we glean as a strength from being a Christian, from understanding God's ways, uh, to be able to deal with these issues around loneliness and isolation? 
there's so much to say on that, Neil. Um, but I think the big thing um, that came and that I, I really learned from Scripture in quarantine is the significance of human relationships. Um, I think I think most of us who've been around the church a while have heard people say, "Oh, if you're lonely, just engage with God more," or all that stuff. And and there is some truth to that. Um, but if we look at particularly the Genesis account. Um, Adam is in perfect relation, pre-fall, Adam is in perfect relationship with God. And yet he's still alone. He still needs human contact. Um, and that's why God creates Eve. And I think that's really huge. Um, it emphasizes the fact that we are built for relationship, not simply with God, although that, is, of course, is our most significant relationship, but with each other and with people. Um, and that has implications for how we care for other people and the importance of that. Um, the importance of reaching out to people who won't be isolated in our worlds, um, whether that's someone just down the road who's living alone um, or living who's got kids but no partner. Um, how do we care for those people? How do we love them well um, and that's that's huge powerful to reflect on genesis and god's relationship with adam the need for mm. someone to be a companion and to mm. translate that into today's setting because it's interesting to be a christian but the need for relationships uh, is something that we've got to work on even in our church life. And, uh, you know, churches, they've got so many dimensions to them, but this is one of those that uh, I think you identify as some areas where we're falling down and not promoting the necessity for the, for these sorts of uh, more intimate relationships uh, between people. And uh, what are your thoughts here for, for people in modern churches today and the way it uh, perhaps is not not necessarily as relational as it could be? I think particularly um, those of us in the evangelical space, and I'm very squarely in that space, um, with our, our right emphasis on word ministry, um, it, it can be relatively easy for us to think about word ministry um, as somehow separated from relationship. Um, and it's, oh, well, as long as you're getting a good sermon, the relationship, the tea and coffee, or the, the chit-chat after church is just sort of chit-chat, it's polyfill. Um, but biblically, I don't think that's right. Um, now, we should be word-centric. I'm not disputing that. But the word says that we need to be in relationship with each other. Um, if we were simply meant to, say, have a great sermon each week, um, there are some spectacular preachers and some spectacular sermons available online. Uh, but... Part of being the body of Christ is gathering in smaller groups um, and having relationship with each other, walking together, um, praying together, sharing both our spiritual challenges and our and our relational challenges, our, our day-to-day lives. And whether that's raising young kids or being single or I've lost my job or I, I'm, I'm struggling with this or that, um, we need to have that depth of relationship um, with our fellow believers. Um, it's not its not simply enough to say, oh, well, I read my Bible and I listen to John Piper online. Um, we are actually called to be relational 
both with our fellow Christians and with our neighbours in a more generic sense. I suspect it starts, Ben, with something so simple as uh, tea and bickies at the end of a church service. And even that's got issues with COVID now and uh, the ways that you've got to be prepared in church life for that. But so many churches provide an opportunity for people to stay around after the service so they can connect. And you can think that, oh, that's just a, you know, a shake hands here and a shake hands there and I'm on my way. But actually, profoundly, this is something very important to stay around after church and to get to know other people. Even if you're not feeling lonely and isolated, somebody else in the group will be. Is that the case? Well, and even if you're not isolated at the moment, we will all experience isolation at various points in time. Um, and trying to build a relationship when you're isolated is actually really hard. Um, We need to have that relational um, framework, that relational grounding for our sake and for other people's sake when we're not feeling isolated, Um, both as a protective factor too and to facilitate care in the midst of isolation. And yeah, I think, again, I'm an introvert, so there's, there's a real temptation for me to think of, oh, after all, can we just go now? I've done the church, we've, we've sung, I've prayed, or we've prayed and we've sung, I've heard God's word, I, I'm ready to go now. Um, but it's really important for me to say, hang on a minute, um, biblically, relationships are important. Jesus didn't just come as this disemboweled voice that taught and prayed. He actually related with people. He related with the woman of the world. He related with his disciples. He hated them. Um, and I think we need to be really engaged with how we relate to people. And I my suspicion is that food is a really critical part of that. Whether that's tea and coffee after church um, or sharing a meal with someone. I think that's a really powerful thing to do. And I think particularly in the midst of COVID, um, where... Ben, just breaking up there a little now, we're going to go to news and continue our conversation after Vision National News. A bunch of listeners would love to respond and uh, be able to offer their thoughts on our, our conversation so far. Jane is in Redfern in Sydney. Jane, welcome along. Thanks for waiting patiently. Hi, Neil. Good to hear from you, Jane. What are your thoughts? Um, well, I'm 52 and... I've got a mental illness, I've got schizoaffective disorder, but I find, and I suffer from anxiety attacks as well. So I find if I go outside, it can be a real challenge to being around people. And um, so I'm home a lot. So you can only do so many uh, Sudoku crosswords or things like that. And I do have people who come and visit me, but I do feel the loneliness aspect of that. And I can understand old people going through that. Um, yeah. Well, Jane, it's not just old people and widows. If you're actually suffering some level of a mental health issue, it's uh, you're in the middle of that as well. A thought or two here from Ben for Jane. Yeah, look, Jane, it, it's tough. Um it really is tough. Um, whether your illnesses are mental or physical, um, they do tend to isolate us. And and I'm really glad that people are coming and sending you, seeing you. 
And I know, uh, look, I struggle with mental illness too, um, depression particularly. And there are times when I just, I don't have energy for people. Um, but I really appreciate people working hard and keeping on coming and visiting me, even when I'm not the best company. Um, Perhaps you're a better company than I am. But thank you for sharing your story. Jane, let me ask you, before I let you go, Jane, you're feeling this loneliness and this isolation and you know that you've got a mental illness. Do you have to do something special to be able to reach out people to make sure that they feel welcomed and that you are actually welcoming their uh, their uh, relational input into your life? Do you have to work hard at that? Yes. You do, and you recognise you recognise that if you uh, you know if you're not paying attention to that, then it's going to make things a whole lot harder. So I imagine Jane, you must be a very friendly person and uh, and welcoming people because you know you have some needs. Um, I think it's also keeping in touch with uh, what's going on at the church. We've we've um, been doing Zoom for church, and um, but we've still got programs. That and that has helped a lot. I feel like I'm not alone, but um, I do have to force myself to be around people. Um, yeah. Yeah, Jane, uh, just breaking up a little bit there, and uh, let me encourage you to keep those relationships with your church really bubbling along strong. Jane, thank you so much for your call today. Our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316. Let's take another call. Lester is in Dolby in Queensland. Hello, Lester. Welcome along. Yeah, hello. Um, uh, yeah, um, uh, I've experienced, I've been experiencing something of what Jane's been experiencing as well. And, um, and, uh, Lester, just turn your radio down in the background. It's uh, being a little bit of a distraction to you and to listeners. Uh, so, uh, you're experiencing. Uh, just, a, just a sec. I'm going to get up and do that. All right, okay. Well, uh, let's get a thought or two from Ben. Experiencing something similar, and uh, this would be something that would be fairly typical, whether you're actually having uh, problems with a mental health go. issue or not. Uh, Lester, just quickly, your your situation again? Yeah, I've been experiencing something of what Jane's been experiencing. I uh, tend to stay home because um, um, I don't like being around people. And... Uh, yeah, um, I, Creates um, an issue here, so Lester. When you don't like being around people, but you still feel lonely, you wonder how you actually are going to allay your loneliness. I wonder, Ben, have you got a, any sort of insight here into this idea? Because you said you're actually quite introverted too, and you don't actually yeah. appreciate big crowds, but you still you've got to do something to alleviate the loneliness. Yeah. Look, I think. Um, we all need relationship. I think that's part of being human. Um, but uh, Lester, I, I hear what you're saying. Um, there are times when I'm just, I'm, out, I'm over people. I, I'm too tired. Um, and, and people are scary and people can be hard. Uh, so as, as one person who struggles to another, I want to encourage you, Lester, and anybody else who's living with this too, um, to prioritise it. Um, and, and also, at the other end, um, encourage Christians perhaps who don't experience that. I've got some friends who are beautifully extroverted and who um, this experience is very foreign to continue to care for us and to continue to reach out to those of us who um, 
who are not as extroverted as others. Put it that way. Lester, I'm, let me ask I'm, you, as it's a little bit of a extra here, because when you are uh, introverted and you don't like crowds, you still need to have some relational interaction. Is there yeah, a point yeah, with I, your friends I where you get... Hang on, it, Lester, I, is there a point where you get to where you actually do feel comfortable enough in the, in the presence of others that these people become more your closer friends? Well, I do enjoy talking... Um, to people, especially over the phone, right? Because like I feel, I feel like I can relate to them, right? Without actually uh, uh, putting myself out, and and when I'm out with uh, with people, um, well, I ju- I just uh, I just don't get the deep connection that I that I that I want, right? And uh, I what I I used to worry that I that I'd make a fool of myself um, all the time, you know? Lester, it is a, you know, it's certainly tough to deal with, isn't it? Uh, ben, any mm. final thought here for Lester? Yeah, Lester, I just want to encourage you to, to keep reaching out, whether you're using the phone or, or, or other th- ways of getting out there. Um, and look, it's tough, mate, um, but keep up the good work, mate. Um, keep keep prioritising those phone calls. Um Lester, thank you so much for your call. I guess we can say at least we have the phone. At least we have yeah. some ways to connect with others, you know, via Zoom or whatever method you use to connect. But, uh, but still, that personal connection, that personal intimacy, that personal. I think what what Lester's sort of saying here is that there must be a personal level of fulfilment that comes with the intimacy of good relationship with others and uh, and it's not always easy if you're feeling that introvertedness if you're dealing with all sorts of things that might even be a mental health issue hey let's take another call jason is on the line in sydney hi jason welcome yes uh good afternoon Miss Les. good morning and uh i uh myself have had uh two um, times in life one was working in aged care for the 10 years and uh, going and doing personal care assistant in people's homes, but also doing casual work in nursing homes. But uh, I've also um, uh, taken my own uh, isolation, uh, experiences of isolation into that, and I never saw it coming. Um, But I I was homeless for four years prior to working uh, in the aged care sector, uh, aged and disability care, and uh, I found um, that... um, that obviously God can use anything, and I don't want to preach to people, but I just I have to, uh, actually live within Kui of one of your callers, Jane. And uh, you know, we live. I live in government housing, and we live so we're packed in like sardines in inner city Sydney or Melbourne, or the other big cities. But um, so many people are so isolated. But what I've found is that um, since I've lived in this sardine-like existence. Um, I'm caring for my disabled wife now, which is another sad irony of having worked in aged and disability in the past. But um, what I've found is um, I, I try and, uh, at the encouragement uh, of uh, uh, some sermons, uh, I try and get out there and just meet with people who themselves are isolated and lonely. And since people have said, oh, you live in the Department of Housing. Oh, you know, I've heard, oh, there's that corny television show, and oh, I've seen things on a current affair. But 
um, this, since we've lived here, three of our neighbours have come to know the Lord. And I'm not oh, saying right. that as, you know, we're not, I'm not saying we're noble giants or some sort of, you know, halo around the head or whatever. I'm just saying um, there's an old saying that bloom where you're planted. And, um, you know, in, especially this is a tough old town. And living in government housing is certainly uh, not easy at times, but there are there are isolated people around, um, and um, some of them don't, you know, um, sound or look particularly um, pretty. Uh, one neighbour who came to know the Lord, he was a hoarder, and uh, eventually had to go to a nursing home. Um, he just physically couldn't look after himself, but he lived alone, and I just felt compelled to keep going and just. Um, spending time with him. It's not a, 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 a noble giant, but I just want to encourage people um, just, um, yeah, you've got depression and anxiety issues. I've been diagnosed with them by a psychiatrist in the past, um, but I um, I don't want to shrivel up and die where I am. You know, I mean... Uh, I Jason, let me just encourage you. You are a champion of Christian faith. Uh, you know, oftentimes we're talking about the people who look good and sound good and up on a pedestal, but, uh, you know, you're serving in a beautiful way. I love your expression. You've got a bloom where you are planted, and it sounds to me like... You've got a wonderfully deep faith and you're able to, in your own loneliness, reach out to others and fulfil a need. Ben, what are your thoughts for Jason? Oh, look, I want to echo yours, Neil. Um, Neil, um, isn't it wonderful that Jason is loving his neighbour? Um, <laughs> and, yeah, he's living in a tough space in Government House. It's not; it's, it's crowded. Um, you've got all the challenges that come with that sort of accommodation. Um, but irrespective of people's economics, um, their house or house, houselessness or homelessness, they're people. And Jason knows that and he cares for people. Um, I guess the other thing, just practically, um, he was talking about visiting the bloke who's a hoarder. And I think that part of what we need to do as Christians is make sure we've got reasonable expectations. It may be that you drop in for five minutes and that's okay. It doesn't need to be a four-hour, deep and meaningful, let's open the Bible and pray conversation or relationship. Often that may come, and that is good, but just just go and spend a few minutes, have a cup of tea. Um, yeah, Jason does it so well, and so naturally almost. Jason, it's just lovely to hear. Jason, learned a lot from your testimony here today. Thank you so much for calling through. 1-800-316-316 and uh, we'll take as many calls as we can. Uh, before we take another call, you say something about your own attitude, Ben, uh, when you were talking about uh, the emotional toll uh, as you shared your story in some notes that I read from an article that you wrote, uh, you swing between feelings of poor me and stop your whining and uh, you know when I hear uh, from uh, Jason in Sydney I mean uh, he sort of resolves a little bit of that but this is where you can actually if you are feeling lonely uh, you can blame everybody else but there's a certain sense in which you've got to be able to have a right attitude here any thoughts around adjusting that attitude look Neil ultimately we have no control over anybody else uh, so we, the, we all have a responsibility in all our behaviours 
relating to loneliness and other things. Um, and we can only control ourselves or impact ourselves in that sense. Um, having said that, um, if nobody touch, reaches out to you, it's very hard to have a relationship to. So there is, I think there's some, some of both things that play on that sort of that, that swing between poor me um, and oh, suck it up princess um, that kicks in. Um, there is some point where we have to, particularly those of us who live with mental illness, have to say, look, I'm going to prioritise having a relationship. Um, as Lester said, picking up the phone. Um, having said that, if no one answers the phone for us, um, it gets really tough. Um, I think one of the be- most beautiful stories in the New Testament is where Jesus touches the man with leprosy, um, touches the untouchable, the man who had been without touch. Now, Jesus heals him, and, and that's amazing, but, but Jesus could have healed him with a word. He chose to reach out and touch, to break not simply illness, but isolation. Ben, when you were going through your loneliness in your isolation, you came up with some terminology and uh, reflecting on these things, and where's God in all of this experience? And you called it like a theology of isolation. Be able to reflect on where's God in the midst of all of this, and when we talk about what we do in church life, One of the things you mentioned is that Christianity, biblical Christianity, is a team sport. Now, this is an interesting way to theologize about what we're doing in church life and the relationships that we forge with one another. But there is a real truth in that. We are in a team sport. We don't do this on our own, and somehow or other you've got to work hard to create these connections with other people, whether you're the lonely one or whether they're the lonely one, or if you're both lonely, then you can resolve each other's issues. What are your thoughts on the idea of a team sport? Well, I think, again, um, in our Westernness particularly, we have almost an individual faith space. Um, Now, I I, I totally agree God doesn't have grandchildren. Um, We each have our individual relationship with God, and that is a blessing. But it it should be within a a corporate context. We are a team. We are called to work together. And and teams talk to each other. Um, If the Wallabies don't communicate, they will get thrashed by the All Blacks. In fact, they'll thrash us most of the time, unfortunately. But if we don't communicate as a team, if you don't say, here, pass me the ball, or I'm open, or whatever... It won't work. And likewise in church, if we don't have those relationships, and and they need to be more than a hello, I see you on Sunday morning conversations. That's a good start. But we need to be relating with each other and and building the trust so we can share our lives and our our trials and our struggles with each other. In your reflection on church life, you've expressed some fears that we've divided the outcasts and there are some people who get the attention and there are some people even big swathes of people who get no attention at all and and there's this idea of somehow or other trying to meet the needs of the ones that don't get the attention at all is going to be a real challenge I think it is a real challenge I think um, we've been contaminated by culture um, for want a better phrase um, where the young and youth are important um, to the detriment of old as opposed to saying that all people are important. 
um, I mean, you look at, I can't think of a church that doesn't want to, or doesn't have, or is not actively seeking to have a youth group or a Sunday school program or RI or scripture in New South Wales. Um, and those things are great, but the number of churches who have nothing tailored for the older people or, oh, well, the oldies can look after the other oldies. Um, and I think that really weakens us as, as the team. If, if we, who are younger, uh, if I can use that word, um, are not relating with those who are older, we are missing out and they are missing out. And it, it would, again, to push a rugby analogy, if the forwards and the backs are not talking to each other, you're going to get tromped all over. Um, you, we need to be relating not simply with the people who are demographically close to us, whether that's um, in terms of wealth and poverty or that line, but also in the age space. Um, we can't... Look at, we look at James. <laughs> Consider the religion that God accepts is to look after widows and orphans in their distress. Um I've been around churches long enough. I know that if someone comes up and says, oh, we're fundraising for a, an orphanage in somewhere, it's relatively easy to get money. Um, it's much harder to get money for caring for the nursing home down the street. Um, how many of our churches are passionate about having scripture in our which we should be, in schools? Um, but we have how many nursing homes within our parish boundaries? Well, we have run out of time and there's so much more we could have continued to talk about today and we might have to make an appointment into the new year, Ben, because loneliness is not going away. In fact, uh, loneliness is likely to be on the increase, even though you can pick up the phone, even though you have these connections by uh, computerised link, there is a loneliness issue, and that's something that we have to be very attentive to in church life. Oftentimes we're taking the cues from the leaders of our local church, but I can guarantee that the leaders of every local church want to encourage the people to connect with one another in a wonderful relationship way. And of course, if you encourage that so much, sometimes you get some people being abrasive and, and you've got all sorts of problems. But the, re the resolution to the problem isn't to keep people apart. It's to actually continue to be able to meet the needs of people and connect people in relationship. And that's one of the wonderful things that local churches do. And so the encouragement for lonely listeners today is to perhaps try one more time. You might be thinking, I've tried and I've tried and I've tried to connect and get in uh, into the, you know, I'm not sort of saying there's an in crowd, but... Uh, but to connect with people in a local church setting because that will be part of the way that you'll resolve some of these issues around loneliness. What a wonderful insight you've been able to bring today, Ben Boland. And when it comes to aged care and all of these areas around loneliness, I think listeners will today just know that you've struck a chord just beautifully today. Let me point people to how they can connect with you, Ben. Now, you're an aged care chaplain. You're the co-author of yep. the book, Jesus Loves Me. And uh, people can get uh, that through uh, Hammond Care or through the Bible Society. Simply Google. Yeah, Kuron's got it. Yeah, wonderful. Uh, easy, easy to access. Uh, Jesus Loves Me, the book. You're also yep. on YouTube. And you've got a YouTube clip called Jesus Love in Aged Care. And yeah. there is a LinkedIn site that you have where listeners might be able to connect with you there. But uh, yeah, certainly... I'm also on Facebook these days, so I'm 
I'd say I was trendy, but I think I'm 20 years out of date. Um, <laughs> hey, you know, if listeners are looking for you, they'll be able to find you. That's all I'm trying to say here. There's no special yeah, yeah. website to go to, but uh, certainly Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, you'll find Ben Boland, B-O-L-A-N-D, and look for that book, Jesus Loves Me. Ben, thank you so much for sharing your heart with us today. I think it's been a huge benefit to lots of listeners who are struggling with their own issues of loneliness. And when you can connect one lonely person with another, you're actually cancelling out a major problem. So uh, let's hope some of that happens around the nation over these Christmas uh, times. Ben, the happiest and holiest and merriest of Christmases to you and your family as you're back together again. It's been a hard year for you, but uh, let's hope 2021 is going to be fabulous for you and your family. So thanks so much for joining us today on 2020. Thank you, Neil. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.